You're listening to a podcast from I'dRatherBeWriting.com. My name is Tom Johnson. Today, September 29, I am going to uh, talk about some myths related to API documentation. Ten myths, actually. And I haven't really recorded podcasts too often lately. Um, Previously, I was kind of reading posts. But some of the feedback I got about that was was that... uh, some people told me they they hated listening to me read posts. So this time I'm going to try to speak a little bit more off the cuff. I have an outline, but I certainly don't have anything written down. And maybe this will help me just become a better speaker in general. Myth number one. And before I get into these myths, by the, by the way, um, one of the reasons that I'm actually doing more API doc podcasts right now is to promote my upcoming API documentation workshop, which I've scheduled for November 19 in downtown San Francisco. Uh, This is a full day workshop where I kind of run you through API documentation from the ground up all the way from beginner to advanced topics. And I'll talk a little bit more about this later, but definitely check out uh, the, the information, the description of this workshop if you're interested. Okay. 10 myths about API documentation. Number one, you must read source code to write docs. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, Basically, yeah, I'm going to have to edit that out because I live in a busy household and you're just going to hear kids. And now my other kids broadcast stuff over Alexa. Okay, one sec. All right, myth number one, you must read source code to write the documentation. The idea is that in order to write API documentation, engineers uh, might not even bother to give you a demo or explanation about anything. You'll just be maybe granted access into their source code and you'll have to go into the, the raw programming code and figure out like how something works and describe it. Uh, based entirely off of off of what you read in this in the source code, uh, this is this is re- this is a common sort of fear that a lot of people have, and it's totally untrue for a number of reasons. First, a lot of times programmers they they won't even give the the technical writer access to the source code. A lot of times with REST APIs, the source code really doesn't matter um, because it could be written in any programming language. Um, almost all engineers are going to have some kind of artifact about the reference material that they, about the endpoints that they're creating. They're going to have some artifact that describes these reference, the reference classes, functions, endpoints, whatever it is, whatever the API is. Um, Though often there will there will often be a design document, a wiki page, some other kind of thing that describes um, what this API is and does. So you don't have to really 
jump right into the weeds of programming source code to figure all this out. All right, second myth. You need to extrapolate sample code from one language to create code samples in another. Like let's say a, let's say the, the programming team gives you um, some code samples in Java. Now you've got to like create them in Python and C++ and uh, maybe even have a JavaScript version and so forth. <clears throat> really, I've never run into this. Like programmers have never expected the technical, or at least me, they've never expected me to create code samples of any significance from scratch. Um, you know, in some in some scenarios, I can see where that might be something you do, but code samples of any complexity are highly vetted by programmers. And before a programmer even commit, or an engineer, software developer, whatever, before a programmer commits source code, they usually review it with others. They have edits. It's a refined thing before it, quote, ships and so forth. So the idea that, that engineers are, like, too busy to create this and will just kind of offload it to the technical writer is, is really unusual. Um, one thing that is kind of common that you will see a lot of times in API documentation is in addition to curl requests, you might see requests in other languages such as JavaScript or Go or Python and so forth. This, this, these simple like web web requests in other languages can be auto generated. You can generate these from Postman. Uh, tools like README, Developer Hub, and others will automatically generate a curl request into half a dozen other languages. Uh, Swagger HTML uh, framework does this as well. So it's nothing to get too excited about because it's just sort of auto generated code. It's it's not a more complex and custom code sample. All right, let's go on to myth number three. You must be a former engineer to be competitive in the API documentation space. And while if this isn't like the big one, the big myth, um, I don't know what is. Um, the idea is that, you know, this is such a technical space that somebody who has a humanities background, who majored in English, who maybe has a uh, bent for poetry or something, or somebody who's like a historian or some other soft humanities philosophy skill, uh, just doesn't have the sort of technical depth and background and chops to survive in this in this super complex space. Now, and, and you often hear, like when people recommend, when, when new technical writers ask, what should I be majoring in college? common recommendation I usually hear is, Hey, you should, you should double major, go major in like engineering and maybe minor in, in English or writing, but yeah, focus mostly on the tech because that's what you need to know. Well, this is actually quite a pervasive myth and there's an awesome New York times article that I'll link to here. Uh, New York times article called in the salary race, engineers sprint, but English majors endure. And uh, the basic gist of this article is that people who are in STEM, STEM careers, science, technology, engineering, and math careers, um, they ramp up on uh, the technology of the day and become proficient at what's currently needed 
But then in 10 years, that whole technology landscape shifts. So what they ramped up on in college now becomes obsolete. And they have to constantly relearn. Whereas the English major or the humanities majors learning uh, is something that doesn't go obsolete in 10 years. I do meet technical writers working in API docs who are former engineers. And I'll oftentimes ask them, well, you know, what kind of engineer were you? Um, how long ago was it? I've heard people say things like, oh, yeah, I used to program in Fortran, Fortran 30 years ago. And I'm thinking, holy smokes, like, is that is that still relevant information? Is that like still serving you? I mean, maybe, yeah, you, you generated a technical mindset, but uh, like that sort of pattern of thinking isn't limited only to uh, sort of engineering careers and so forth. Anyway, um, if you are a liberal arts major and you are, uh, you, you ramped up in philosophy and history and so forth, um, you probably become cust accustomed in your current job of learning on the fly. You have to pick up these technical skills on the fly. And, and so you, you learn how to learn how to constantly learn um, and that ability to learn as you go along is probably serving you well but anyway just read this article if you think that hey everybody has to be an engineer because that's what you need to prepare to be be dominant in the space it's really not true because whatever that engineer knew at the time is going to be obsolete in a few years later okay let's look at number four you can probably hear kids in the background you know, sometimes I've tried to wait until my house is completely quiet to do podcasts. It just never happens. I even now have one fewer kid in the house, one less kid. Let's see. No, fewer you can count, less you can't. Anyway, uh, one of my kids is now at college. So I, so I only actually have three kids in the house, but it is still a zoo. All right, jumping on. Myth number four, technical writers create the reference material. What exactly does this mean? By this, I'm saying the open API specification document or the Java docs or the Doxygen output for Java, C++, and so forth. Um, a lot of times technical writers are intimidated by this. They're like, how do you, how do you generate this? You know, how do I even uh, work with this? And I even have extensive tutorials in my, uh, in my uh, API documentation site on how to create the open API specification document. It's extremely technical document um i mean maybe not extremely technical but it's tedious hard to get right it takes a couple weeks to figure it out i think um, as you're working through your api uh it turns out that most developers create reference material as an artifact of whatever it is they are developing this is a point i hit upon a little bit earlier but it's not as if engineers are just like cranking out apis without any kind of like documentation about what they're what they've coded uh, best practices are to annotate in their code, at least with native libraries, and generate something out. Um, and even for, for REST APIs, uh, it's very common as well for engineers to create the open API specification document. So really, the reference material in APIs is the easy part. Uh, the hard part is writing more conceptual tutorials about how to use those APIs, uh, tutorials about um, how to create code that incorporates those API uh, functions, endpoints, uh, in order to achieve some end. That is the hard part. 
and that's usually something that the engineers don't write. They usually um, have have technical writers create that, or they may create a code sample, but no explanation really about what's involved. Um, all right, so let's move on to myth number five. All job interviewers care about when it comes to API documentation jobs is technical know-how. They don't really care about your writing ability. They just want to know how much technical depth you have and if you're familiar with XYZ programming languages and so forth. Well, I have actually been pretty closely involved in a hiring in our hiring processes for the past year and a half and I've I've been in I think I've now participated in like 25 30 interviews. Um and I can tell you that the technical aspects, uh, they're important. The technical knowledge, it's, it's important. But I've seen many candidates who are tech savvy uh, get rejected because they don't really have the, the what we call leadership principles. Um, the ability to you know, push against pressure that, uh, in order to make the right decision or the ability to gather data and, and make decisions based on that and to align with customers and so forth. Um, and the ability to articulate this and to, to sell yourself and your, and your skills is not to be underestimated. Um, I, I personally, you know, uh, I've, I've posed scenarios in the past about like, would you rather hire a, a, somebody who's got stronger tech skills or stronger writing skills and people often say well it's harder to teach somebody the technical stuff but it's kind of easy to teach people how to write and i think that's baloney i mean it's easy, it's it could be easy to teach people how to create grammatically correct sentences sure you can teach somebody that uh, what a comma splice is and um when to how to shorten sentences or maybe you just have them use acrolinks or grammarly or something and clean that up but really writing is so much more than that it's about being able to take in a lot of information to read through pages and pages of, of uh, documentation or, or reports or proposals or designs you know I'm talking like 20 30 pages soak it in and to see how the information you're writing kind of fits in with that larger landscape or to take in and pull from multiple sources and synthesize something that's condensed and consolidated and reflects all those different sources or to figure out how your your the thing you're adding fits into this larger landscape i, I really i i mean i know these are generalizations and i should probably steer clear of this but i just don't see engineers with the ability to read more than a few pages at a time um it drives me nuts whenever i want to do doc reviews i have to um narrow down what I'm reviewing to something that can be read during the meeting in about 15 minutes. And, and I shouldn't expect any more than that. Um, the idea that people would come to a meeting having read a document prior to the meeting and come that they come prepared with feedback is this sort of, uh, illusion. It, it doesn't happen. And, and I can't help but think that somebody who's got more of a humanities background, somebody who studied philosophy for example was used to kind of digging deep into things would be the type of person who would read more and that reading would serve them uh would serve them well in this position all right myth number six developers can and will write if you implement a docs's code process now what is docs's code i'm not going to go into this much but basically 
This is writing in Markdown using something like Jekyll or Hugo to compile your site. Um, uh, implementing something called continuous integration where your, your docs build on the server when you commit through GitHub or Git. Manage everything through Git branches and so forth. Well, basically Docs' code is, is using the same process for documentation that developers use for code. They open up their 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 editor maybe they're working in atom editor or something uh visual studio code editor whatever um and they can just kind of go to town because markdown is human readable uh this is completely false i mean yes developers are probably more likely to contribute but the idea that that what's holding them back is some kind of like the some kind of tooling issue is completely false. Uh, otherwise, you'd get developers just putting a lot of content into Word docs, wiki pages, and passing it along to you. That doesn't really happen, at least not much in my experience. Um, you know, sometimes people do write things. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but by and large, uh, people don't want to write something complex because it's arduous. Writing is hard, right? It's like it's like those those essays you wrote in college, right? You didn't just, you know, um, didn't just eagerly, eagerly look forward to sitting down and, and filling up that blank page. It's sort of a, it's a tough thing. Um, and people aren't going to be inclined to do this, especially if writing isn't their, isn't their forte. It's not what they, they like to do. It's not really in their job description. Just because you have docs as code doesn't mean suddenly now you're going to crowdsource all your docs among your developers. All right, myth seven. Developers are most suited to write documentation for other developers. Now, this is an idea that, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to connect with a developer audience. Well, wouldn't it make sense to have the person writing for that developer audience to also be a developer? Because developers like can communicate and connect with other developers uh, just innately. They're on the same wavelength. They understand the sort of needs, the uh, the impatience for for uh, prolixity. They they really are just in tune with that audience and can can customize the content to perfectly suit them well um this is also a myth uh first of all I, i've done surveys to ask people <clears throat> to ask developers specifically if they would prefer that the writer was also a developer and it was by no means any kind of unanimous re response um you can't you can't get away from the curse of knowledge in this scenario if you're a developer uh, you probably have a lot of assumptions about what your audience knows. The most common um, assumption we make when we're writing is that our audience has the same awareness, more or less, than w that we do. Uh, a developer might say, oh, the user's going to know this. The developer I'm writing to, yeah, they're going to be familiar with this tool. They're probably going to have this set up. They're, they're going to be on a Mac. They're, gonna, they're already going to be familiar with this and that. And yeah, I mean, you have to make assumptions in your writing. That's part of the challenge, right? What does a user already know versus what do they need to know? But it can be really hard when you're already familiar with something, especially if you're the one who designed it. That means means you're extra familiar with, with how it works. Um, 
and, and it's so easy to become blind to these assumptions. It's much better to err on the side of the writer writing, the technical, sorry, the, the non-developer writer, because at least then, even if the non-developer writer imagines him or herself as the audience, even just uh, unconsciously, uh, it's not going to have the same assumptions as the developer, right? Because the, the non-developer writer will be like, Oh shoot, I had to install this and that. I had to I had to uh you know, I needed this sample app to even make sense of something and I needed to, you know, figure out what this thing was and that and I wanna explain these and I had all these crazy terms I'd never heard of, so I'm gonna put these in a glossary. You're just more likely to um avoid assuming too many things if you have a, a non developer writer create your content. Okay. Number eight, myth number eight, API documentation and developer documentation are pretty much synonymous. I hear a lot of people or I see a lot of job titles on LinkedIn or job descriptions say API technical writer. And this is sort of a small assumption or a small myth, but basically uh, APIs are not the extent of developer documentation. There are plenty of extremely technical areas in the developer landscape that have nothing to do with APIs. Uh, APIs are just like one piece of the pie. Uh, they're one sliver within this larger technical landscape. Um, that said, APIs seem to be like a very common characteristic in developer documentation. And all right, my kids are melting down out there. I need, I need to get through these last two and go quiet a war but basically <laughs> basically api documentation is just one type of developer documentation there are actually many all right i'm gonna have to pause this and i will come back all right i am back um it turns out one kid was spitting on the other kid who was also spitting the other kid was spitting on the other one, so they were spitting on each other. And then one kid basically threw off uh, all her clothes that she had carefully um, picked out for her school picture tomorrow because now they have spit on them. And yeah, they're at a serious war. Uh, I honestly don't know how to stop kids from fighting. Our two youngest kind of are arch enemies, it seems like, sometimes. And uh, our latest tactic as parents is to try to ignore it and to like redirect people's attention to something else. Uh, just trying to discipline the kids doesn't seem to have any effect in like correcting their behavior. <laughs> so I have honestly no idea. I have four kids and I have no idea how I'm supposed to resolve uh, kids who are fighting with each other all the time. So if you have tips, Feel free to send them to me, but only if they actually work. Don't give me advice, especially if you don't have kids or haven't worked with kids. Anyway, okay, I'm getting off on a tangent. Um, I was talking about uh, API documentation and developer documentation. Uh, they're not the same thing. All right, so just keep that in mind. The APIs are only one element of developer documentation. And actually, even if you are in an API documentation role, chances are you're going to be doing non-API documentation, non-developer docs too. Uh, I'm regularly asked to comment on mocks to kind of correct bad language. 
a lot of our um, like we have UX designers in India. Maybe English isn't their first language. You know, the designs look great, but they you can tell that like the person writing some of the copy isn't a native speaker. Um, so I will or even if they are a native speaker, they still want me to jump in there. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, UI writing is part of it. Uh, do other things like uh, reports. I once did a big old um, competitive anal- competitive analysis. Um, so yeah, API and developer docs is probably not the whole extent of what you work on. All right, number nine. Docs that look good are good. All right, now I need to unpack this a little bit. I'm, I'm regularly asked this same question. I'm asked... What are some great examples of API documentation that I can follow? And it's a valid question. Of course, we want to know this, right? And people invariably say, oh, Stripe and Twilio and Dropbox. These are like awesome examples of documentation, even though the person saying this has never really used any of these products or if so, only superficially. You can't, docs can't be good unless users say they're good just because docs look good they 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 have like a modern ux and they they look like attractive docs and they're they they're they look to be structured well and you know it's like uh clearly somebody with design skills has put together the site but you don't know if documentation is any good until you are a user of that documentation doing actual tasks uh, and referring and using that documentation. Somebody actually told me that um, their company had commissioned a study. Uh, this is a, some, a colleague who was at a different company and so forth. I'm not even sure which one, but this study was, the, the, these researchers were trying to answer this question, what, is, what are the best docs that we should model? And their, their conclusion was that Unity had the best docs, that the users absolutely loved Unity's documentation. And I briefly, I briefly looked at Unity's docs, and um, this is like a game development platform. Uh, and there were a lot of, uh, a lot of video tutorials, I think. Um, but I'm not really sure w- what it is about them that that the users love so much. But basically, if people ever press you to say, you know, how can we make our docs look like X, push back and say, uh, users don't they don't care so much how the docs look; they care about the content, right? It's kind of like Think of it like sports. Do you really care how your your basketball team looks? You know, they got the they got the cool tattoos and they got the the headband and the the, the new shoes there with custom designs and stuff. Who cares, right? It's like you, you care about how people play. Uh, yeah, I tend to relate a lot of things to basketball. Sorry. In the same way, you care about how content performs. This is why I try not to go overzealous on tools because at the end of the day nobody cares if it's a Jekyll site a Hugo site if it's written in data if it's not written in data they care about what the what the words say like what the meaning is <laughs> what if it if it helps answer the questions you have to use a product that's what matters people get way too carried away in in tools and and appearances um, even internally right people want docs to look good and professional regardless of whether the content is on target i guess this is one of my pet peeves um all right let's go on to number 10 people will respect you more if the word writer isn't in your job title 
Now this is maybe this is a stretch uh, to to fit this into ten myths about API documentation, but this is another pet peeve of mine. Um, some people hate the title technical writer. Uh, I once spoke at this company, um, and they told me they said, "Look, Tom, you know they'd previewed my slides, and they were like." This was an internal keynote. They're like, look, uh, don't use the term technical writer. We all refer to ourselves as information developers. Or no, we refer to ourselves as user assistance developers. And I was like, uh, okay, I'm not changing my slides to, to you know match your, your pet term for your, your technical writers. Um, but other terms, sorry, it's kind of disparaging. Other other common titles, content engineer. These are the badasses of techcom. You're not just a, you know, technical writer. You're a content engineer. You're a, you're an information strategist or a content strategist, or you're a technical communication professional. I think this is kind of bogus, and it speaks to this larger uh, fear that if you have the word writer in your job title, people will treat you maybe like a secretary because anybody can write. And so just the fact that you're a writer doesn't showcase your abilities. People are just going to be like, oh, uh, what's special about this person? Anybody can do their work. I don't know what the assumption really is. Um, but actually, in the API doc space, engineers are sometimes terrified about writing and they lack confidence about their own writing ability and the quality of their writing. And they really look to the technical writer to make the writing readable, professional, grammatically correct, coherent, structured, well organized. Uh, they're really looking for somebody to help with writing. Um, it shouldn't be something that you fear in a job title. It's really the core of what we do. We produce written text. It's we're, we're writing content. Sure. You're maybe doing other things. Maybe you're doing videos and project management and you're doing design and, and logging bugs. But like, you know, uh, if the core feature of your job is to produce written words that help people, um, writer seems to be still like a, a, a term that qualifies for that job title. Anyway, another pet peeve of mine, I guess. Uh, I've never really disliked the term technical writer. I've always welcomed it, and I, I think it's fine. Uh, I At one time, I did try to change it at a company to information strategy and design or something, and it was like nobody understood or cared. All right, so those are the 10 myths. Um, feel free to write me and tell me how wrong I am or to tell me that things are different in your neck of the woods. It could be the case. I mean, a lot of times these things have a, a myth has a truth to it, right? And, and, uh, it's not always the case that things are a certain way. Uh, now just to close here. I just want to repeat that I have a, an API documentation workshop coming up November 19 in San Francisco. And if you want to dive deeply into APIs and documentation best practices, definitely sign up for that. Um, if you want to find more inf information on my site, go to idratherbewriting.com, click API documentation in the top navigation bar. You, you can go through a lot of my course there for free.
All right, thanks. I'm Tom Johnson signing off, and have a great day.